Hello and welcome to Shelf Healing, UCL's bibliotherapy podcast. I'm Rebecca Markwick and I'm joined today by my co-host, Sarah Cheriglu. Hello. Our guest today is Deborah Alma. Deborah is a poet, editor and lecturer in creative writing at Keele University. She co-founded and runs the Poetry Pharmacy, where you can be prescribed poems to improve your well-being. The Poetry Pharmacy also has a physical bookshop based in Bishop's Castle in Shropshire. So the first question to get us started is nice and easy. Do you feel that reading is therapeutic? Um, oh well, I'm certain that it is. I and I and I think that that we all, all of us who read regularly, would know that to be true. For lots of us who read when we were children, it could be all sorts of things. It could be escape or sort of satisfy your curiosity, take you to new places, but also helps to make sense of the world, you know, the kind of things of a kind of moral compass as well. But yes, definitely. What kind of books do you reach for when you want to improve your own mental well-being? Um, it's an interesting question for me because I work prescribing poetry for people very explicitly with a therapeutic intention it's really interesting because because I'm sort of doing research around that all of the time and doing reading around that all of the time probably can imagine that for me that those texts aren't necessarily the ones I go to for a break you know for to, to escape from my day job although although just every now and again a, a poem will grab me and take me away without that kind of without the kind of objective head on my shoulders looking at it so so oddly the the books that I turn to to make me feel better are what well, they're quite varied quite often they're books that I enjoyed when I was younger that when I'm reading them, I go back to that younger self, a place, obviously, of, you know, when I was reading it, that was a comfortable or a, a happy place. So quite often I'll read, I don't know, Tovey Janssen, you know, the Moomins. I quite like those. But, uh, I reread those quite often. But also, yeah, sort of a kind of escapism. So in, in these coronavirus days, I put quite, I'm quite interested in reading fiction about kind of worse even worse scenarios than we're in now and that kind of makes me feel <laughs> comforted somehow about what we're living through at the moment that's really great to follow up you know with poetry being so open to interpretation how do you approach prescribing the right poem for the right state of mind that's a really good question actually and I'm really glad that you asked it because very few people ask that question and for me if I if I were to describe my superpower in the world it's it's about getting the right poem to the person and I think so often people are put off poetry because they're reading the wrong stuff for them so the whole idea behind emergency poet and the poetry pharmacy is to curate the poetry so that I can help people find the poems that that will resonate with them in some way so the way I do it when I do my poetry on prescription whether I was doing it in my vintage ambulance as emergency poet or or now in the poetry pharmacy it is by listening to to people asking them about their reading habits uh, books I, I used to work for a publisher and I was a bookseller before I had children 
So oddly, I, I'm, I've, I know about a, a lot of literature. I'm, uh, it, this sounds big-headed, but I'm quite well read. You know, I just read a lot when I was young. So I can, I, I can signpost people to the to the right texts. I think after having listened to, to to them carefully, and whether they've found poetry in particular difficult, because quite often people are put off reading poetry when they're at school, um, secondary school usually. I, I really believe that there's a right poetry collection or a right, just it may be the right poem for them. So, yeah, that's my superpower. Thank you for the question. <laughs> no worries. And how do you go about storing the prescriptions? Do you just memorise the poems that stand out to you or do you keep note of them in a notebook? Yeah, that, that's another interesting one about, about how I do it because I would, if anybody knows me, they would say I was quite scatterbrained and that I had a really terrible memory. And yet for this, I have some kind of odd memory. It's almost like a, an emotional memory f- for the poem. So if somebody will talk about, uh, I don't know, feeling lonely, I'll have a sense of, because we, we all, all of us feel all of the emotions at, to some degree at some point. So I'll remember, oh yeah, that poem. What I do and what I did in the ambulance is I have about 300 odd poems ready printed out as though they were a prescription with the patient, in inverted commas, name at the top and at the bottom, how they should take it, whether they should take it in the evening with a glass of wine or sit in the garden and look at birds or whatever. And so I have them printed out. But quite often, it's quite hard to find that poem. You know, I'll I'll remember it and I won't be able to remember the title. I won't be able to remember the poet, but there'll be a line. So I have this really bad cross-referenced book just a notebook that I've put together that I keep thinking if I lose that I'm in real trouble and I should put it on a laptop or something but it's it's beyond me that one that's really lovely and I think this was something you'd mentioned earlier about uh, reading for escapism and we talk about prescribing for the right state of mind do you find that your patients tend to want to read things that will reflect the state they're currently in or imagine things anew or turn away from it entirely and go somewhere else? Uh, what do you find is the most constructive? Another really good question. All of those things. So in, in my listening, I, I, I've done this so many times, so sort of thousands of times probably talking one-to-one with people. And, and I think I've become like a gypsy fortune teller. I listen out for, for clues. So you know how you, when you talk to a friend, you think they need this. Uh, and so sometimes it is the, the poem is chosen because because they need a way out. They need maybe to see that, that someone has gone ahead of them, has been through something similar and has come through. So it it might be that. It might be to, to remind them that they need to do something so that their, their lives are too busy, too stressful, so that the poem may say, look, keep this poem and stick it on your fridge by Seamus Heaney. You know, it reminds you to go out into the countryside and or to remind you of a place of boredom or it could be a poem that talks of, of future and hope so all, all of those things and 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 again it's you know that that's what I've learned to do I think is is 
I'm a terrible middle-aged opinionated woman who will say to my friends what you need is this you know so it's just a way of being able to do that with with poems I suppose I love that that's great I was going to ask if you'd noticed a difference moving from being the emergency poet in your vintage ambulance to running a bookshop have you noticed a difference in how you've been prescribing poems with that kind of you're no longer driving around to being in a building all day yeah that's an interesting question too I there's something about turning up in an ambulance dressed up as a doctor with nurse verse you know it, it, it is ridiculous it's clearly lighter uh, you know there's an element of strong element of theater and people encounter it and go what's going on here and I'll have a go uh, and that happens much more so you have a, a much wider cross-section of of people quite often I'd be in a city centre somewhere or outside a library or even inside the library but not with the ambulance um, and, but um, there's something here there's something about being in this pretty town in Shropshire that, pe- that people have to come and find me and so they have I've tried to keep the element of theatre as well because I think that's really important that it stays light, that it that there is no, it's not explicitly therapy. It might have therapeutic value, but it's definitely not. I wouldn't call myself a therapist in any way or make that claim. So it needs to have a, a light touch. So I have the this Victorian room with a velvet green chaise long and I, you know I sit there and with my clipboard and and so that the the element of theatre is still there but the people that that come here and and this is a sadness for me actually is our people and you know that they they tend to be a, a certain demographic uh, and to be honest it you know it's kind of middle class white women um and and I'm a, a I'm a mixed race although I don't look like it Londoner and so I miss that that kind of element of of, of giving poetry to people who would wouldn't otherwise encounter it which is really important for me and and so that there's less of that now it's much warmer. I have. To- <laughs> <laughs> I can appreciate that. I work outside on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Well, I, you know, people didn't realise working in the ambulance with the doors open in, in oh. weather. It's really exhausting. Have you ever considered doing kind of little pop-up shops again? Well, it's you know, that, again. That's a really interesting question, and. The answer largely is no, because because I, I loved your email to me. It was kind of, you know, Deborah Alma and team. And at the moment, it's just, it really is just me, largely. So it's, it's locked down at the moment. And also, uh, you know, we, we've not been able to do all of our workshops. It, you can probably see behind me on this Zoom meeting that this is our poetry reference library. So we have workshop space here we have a cafe we have the bookshop and pretty much it's me running all of it so I haven't got time to do anything else but the the interesting thing for me is because people keep asking me to to do things I'm looking into doing an arts council bid to do training for people you know to to do it properly so that to, to use the model that I've used um, and and send out poetry pharmacists all over the country. We're, we're doing it 
in partnership with libraries so that'll be quite good fun I think because I've, I've worked with apart from emergency poetry I did work with people with dementia using poetry I've worked in hospices and in and with other vulnerable groups using poetry so it, it isn't just about training people to do the, the slightly ridiculous the, theatrical thing which is is fun but maybe, maybe it doesn't work very well in a care home with someone with dementia so you have to be adaptable what made you decide to start the emergency poet with your lovely ambulance in the first place? Did you were you already recommending poems to people and thought more people should have this, or did you just suddenly sort of get an ambulance and go, <laughs> let's go around with poems? It, it's a combination of the two. So yeah, I would. I I remember years ago a friend with a broken heart at the, at the kitchen table and me going, "You must read this poem," you know. So I've always I've always done that, and it was Derek Walcott, "Love After Love." By the way, if anyone has a broken heart, uh, but yeah, so I've always done that, and then I worked for a few years with people with dementia in care homes, and. And those two sort of things that I did led, led directly to Emergency Poet um, with hindsight. But, but I, remember at the, I remember looking on eBay because I was looking to do creative writing workshops in a mobile way for primary school children. And I was looking for vans on eBay and saw the ambulance for sale. And I, I was on Facebook t- talking to friends and all my friends were going, no, Deb, don't buy it. But I did anyway. <laughs> so, but yeah, it was like the, the idea came as a as kind of inspirational madness, really. All the best ideas come with inspirational <laughs> madness. <laughs> Do you find that there's a time of day for you where you're the most receptive to the words you're reading? So, like you said, you prescribe an evening with a glass of wine, a morning with a cup of tea. But for you, what's what's the best time? Ah, yeah. My because I'm quite odd now, aren't I? So I'm living around poetry and and and, and also I've taken on too much as well. So so I in the past it was Sunday mornings in in bed, which is also a kind of writing because I I write as well. I don't write anymore, <laughs> but um, I used to write then and read then. So my best, I don't know, when I'm talking to other people, I listen for when their best time is. Um, but but in a way, I've lost mine, but probably in the mornings, I think. Mm. It's so hard when you're doing something that is something you're so passionate about, and it does become a job that you're doing, then you feel like falling out of line with the parts that felt so genuine and just rewarding for you initially but yeah. I mean you're doing so much I can't imagine I want my own post and prescription <laughs> it sounds ideal thank you we, we have to do have a chat on the phone I do now we're in lockdown I do people get in touch and I'll do consultations on the phone or via email as well which has been quite nice to do and then I send them a parcel in the post this leads in great into my next question, Deborah. Is there anywhere listeners can go to find more information about poetry pharmacy and perhaps get in contact for their own prescriptions? Yeah, well, yeah, we've got a website, poetrypharmacy.co.uk, 
and people can have a consultation with me the, by email or on the phone um, and and in future they can come here as well and lie down on the couch but but when I when I do if somebody if I talk to someone on the phone I ask them to to make sure that they've got their feet up and that they've got a cup of tea and a favorite cake on a pretty plate and you know so that the scene is similar it's important that they it's really important oddly that they put their feet up it, it takes them into a completely different state somehow I've watched watched that happen so um yeah and then just have a, a kind of a cozy chat about about the positive things in their lives and the things that they're good at it's all very uh, gentle and positive is there a particular poet that you find yourself prescribing more than others or is it kind of very wide-ranging um it's really it's really wide ranging because, because I've listened to the, to the person but it but they but I I much prefer contemporary poets I I really like and again it depends on the person if somebody if it tends to be an older person they've grown up loving Keats or bits of Shakespeare then then that's what you know I'll try and find them something that they might not have encountered but that's, that's within their taste maybe but yeah it 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 for me I I oddly I I seem to be prescribing uh there's a poem by Seamus Heaney called Postscript so I'm prescribing Seamus Heaney quite a lot and also the poet Esther Morgan um there's a poem by her called Grace which is um a really lovely poem at the moment and then yeah they're all over the place actually and is there a book or a poem that you find has profoundly affected you and sort of changed your outlook at all? Changed my outlook? That there are lots of poems that, that I'm glad to know. I might not be able to recite them off by heart, but but there are poems that that I that I kind of that I kind of hold in my hand, and I can just. I can kind of think just the name of the poem and it will give me the sense of the peacefulness or the hopefulness of the poems. Change my... Actually, Derek Walcott's Love After Love, when I had a broken heart, was brilliant and wise. And so that did actually have a really good effect. It worked like medicine. So that was really good. And and I, I actually... Yeah, and... And Grace by Esther Morgan, I, I mentioned before, it's a very simple poem, but it's about stillness and appreciating the small and the beautiful and noticing. So, uh, yeah, that one too. That's really lovely. I can't wait to read Love After Love. It's come up <laughs> quite a bit. <laughs> oh, no. oh, don't we all? <laughs> oh, the worst pain. What you also need then, you need... There's an extract from T.S. Eliot's Oh, East Coker, and it says something like, wait um, without hope for it. Hope is hope for the wrong thing. Wait without love. Anyway, look it up. You'll you'll find it. That's writing it down, Deborah. I'm writing it down. <laughs> <laughs> it's complicated and difficult, but uh, but wise, you know, and if you do the work, you'll be through it. You'll be fine. Do you get people who sort of come back again and again for new prescriptions or do people tend to just sort of come once? No, that's been the really nice thing. People come back. because I think because the the thing of being listened to carefully is, is a nice experience. And the questions are, 
are to remind people of the things that, that that they're missing or you know that 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 they value and to remind them of their good places and good times and so they yeah they just like to come and and to, and be listened to and have questions that are not about oh about their medical health or, or you know some, sometimes people are in therapy because they're in difficult or circumstances or they're struggling but they also come back because these questions are are light they're not about they're they're intimate without being invasive I suppose so yeah they, quite often that happens well, that's nice then it feels more like you're sort of really helping people as opposed to it being not that it is but the sort of like you said you're making it quite dramatic and theatrical it's it's not just dramatic and theatrical it has a real sense of of purpose and effectiveness yeah the, the theater is is a way of getting rid of a kind of british embarrassment thing you know it, it makes it a light-hearted seeming but the the, the um the questions and the poems are are it can be quite profound experience actually and it's just a gen it's a gentle thing yeah the, the, the bit of a sadness for, for me is when I was doing emergency poet I was working for organizations whether it was a library or a conference even or um, lots of uh, arts festivals or music festivals and of course what, what it was free like the NHS you know I was in and um and I've been sponsored by the Arts Council to give free consultations here, but that's run out. So at the moment, there's a charge. And, you know, I, I would like to, to be able to do it for nothing. But, it, you know, it is my living. So it's that's difficult. But, but this Arts Council bid hopefully will, will sort of send it off into other settings for other people to do. I think it's such a rewarding thing. I, I used to work as a bookseller as well. And the best feeling ever was when someone came back and said, you recommended this to me. It was incredible. Do you have more like it? And you feel like you get to almost kind of be that that first reader again for these incredible works that have done things for you as well. And you can really see the, the value and the merit behind it. So Deborah, you're doing incredible work. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> it is. It is lovely. So it's a kind of this loop of positive feedback. You know, people come and go. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, oh that poem's just right. And and you know, you're wonderful. And I go, oh, you're wonderful. And then we just, you know, it's <laughs> it's great. Has anyone ever offered you a like surprise prescription? Oh, um. No, not not for me. Not after. Oh, it's so sad. Not after having listened to me. But I, lots of people will share poems that they think might be useful for me in in the work that I do. So that happens quite often. Sometimes people send me, you know, their poems that they think might be, <laughs> but that you know, maybe not. <laughs> Well, I hope you get the Arts Council funding because that sounds like it could lead to something massive and really important, I think, getting more poetry out there because I love poetry. I think Sarah loves poetry. You obviously very much love poetry. <laughs> I feel like more people should love poetry because, like you said, I think a lot of people get turned off it in school because it's not the right poem for them or the, the really heavy analysis you've got to do can really drain the life out of out of poems. 
I'm really hopeful that more people will read poetry and go and visit your shop when we're allowed to visit your shop or buy things online or call you for a prescription. One nice thing has been that the shop here is is laid out by quite unusually by emotion or you know periods of life. So so I'm so if it and it's for the general reader. So I've got I'm able to put poetry front and centre, you know, face out. So there's a section I don't know on grief or motherhood and that your people will find poems for that emotion or that time of life and it just helps people to to find the right poem rather than in in most bookshops poetry is spine on in one section and, and but of course poetry is extraordinarily wide you know it has its own genres really and and so I'm able to to do that which is nice well that's fantastic that interviews brilliant um i'll put links to the poetry pharmacy in the show notes and we'll put some of the books well the poems you've recommended in the show notes as well thank you so much for coming on to shelf healing we've definitely enjoyed chatting with you sarah looks like she's absolutely thrilled to have chatted with you it's been lovely and i can't wait to read some of these poems that's it for this week's shelf healing interview i will be back next week with another interview goodbye Music by Nicholas Patrick, and thanks to Luke Montgomery, who does all of our transcriptions for the Shelf Healing podcasts. <laughs>